we went to message two and dealt with an unpopular subject of enduring and suffering. And I believe there's some of that. Paul said in, in Romans 8, 18, I reckon, you know that Paul was a southerner, did you know that? I reckon, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. We went the third week to endurance and temptation and what I was speaking of last Sunday and just in all different kinds of areas that we are tempted in as humans, as believers, as people. And this morning I want to finish this series and it is called, the message today is called Endure in the Process. There's a process of life that we go through. There's a process of maturity, maturation, maturity uh, for the human species is the longest of anything. It takes, uh, they say 21 years. I really believe in the current last couple of generations, it really takes about 25 years to see real maturity. And if you're in that age, please don't be offended. I just, I just think that folk um, in different generations mature at different rates. And I think that um, what we want to do is keep growing. Look at your name and say, keep growing. So there's a process, there's a process of life that we go through. There's a process in anything that you do that is worthwhile, it's going to take time and there's a process that that time uh, is, is revealed in. There's a time that process revealed in what I meant to say. Our text is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Just listen as we read. Therefore, by the way, that's a connection to the chapter previously. Hebrews 11 is referred to as the hall of fame of faith. All of these men and women of God, by faith, reached out to the promises of God. And so this, this chapter is connected to, uh, one, one Bible teacher said one time, anytime you see a therefore, you need to stop and see what it's there for. So there's a connection. Therefore, based upon what we've just stated on, and all of the hall of fame of faith, therefore... One name was conspicuously left out of the Hall of Fame of Faith, and that's the name of Jesus, because we're going to devote the whole next chapter to him. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with hupomone. Everybody say endurance. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. There's a race to be run. You've, we've talked about this, what you see here in front of you, and the graphic is a, is a representation of the relay race. Uh, one runner completes uh, his or her course and then hands off the baton to the next runner. And so it's a relay where they're carrying something. And many times the, the challenge is not in the speed of the runner, but it's in the transfer of the baton from one runner to the next. It's in the challenge in the church is that we transfer from one generation to the next. The, what, did, what did Jude say? That we would contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. We want to make sure that we are delivering a biblical, grounded, solid pillar of the truth of the Word of God. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Verse 2, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, 
the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. King James says the author and the finisher of our faith. So he starts it, he begins it. He is the alpha, he is the omega, he is the beginning and the end. He is the A and he is the Z of the alphabet of the purpose of God. Because of the joy, there it is right there, everybody say joy. Because of the joy awaiting him, he hupomoned, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility, the contradiction of sinners, the King James says. The Greek word antologia, everything, every word that was against him. Logos word, anti, against, everything that was spoken the NLT says, think of all the hostility that he endured, he held up under, he remained, he abide, he abode under, he endured from sinful people, then you won't become weary and, last two words, everybody say them out loud, give up. That's it right there. The ethos of my family for generations has been trust God, work hard, never quit. And so this message of endurance that I wrap up today is all about these two words, don't. Say the two words now. Give up. Don't give up. Don't quit. Okay? One thing that I want to bring, and it's very, very, very simple today. It's three simple words. It's something that is a universal truth. It's, it is a biblical truth, and it is universal because it's a biblical truth. We've heard this all of our lives. Choices have consequences. Look at your neighbor and say, choices have consequences. Come on, everybody. Like you. Wake up right now. Come on. I know it's, I know it's dreary outside. I know you would have rather stayed in the bed this morning. Hello to those of you who did. We love you. But everybody that's here, even, even on your, in your living room, in your bed, I, want, I challenge everybody right now sitting there, if you're watching on, on, on your computer or whatever, everybody in the room right now, come on, everybody say it. Choices have consequences. It's something that we've disconnected with in our nation. We've, we've floated into a sea of relativism where there is no true truth anymore. And it's, everything's just sort of willy-nilly. And I just want you to recognize that choices have consequences. And God has gifted you with this incredible human ability to choose. You have this gift from God, this gift of choice. We are not robots. We are not automatons. We, we have this, this thing the Bible calls a free will. In that will, we exercise our choices. And those choices that we choose and make have consequences. I have one more scripture this morning that I'm going to read, and I'm going to utilize this passage to be able to develop the rest of the message this morning. And since I'm talking about not giving up, I really, uh, as I prepared and planned this series, I was drawn to this passage. I've preached it, oh gosh, over 40 years of ministry, 30, I'm going on 32 in this church now. I've probably preached this at least 40 or 50 times in different kinds of ways, and I'm going to bring three principles this morning that I've shared before. Matter of fact, it's probably a couple of years ago I shared these exact three principles. But this whole message is built out in an entirely different kind of way. Because the three principles that I'm going to draw from this passage are universal. You will see them as we read the scripture. Look with me to Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. We're talking about the principle of seed time and harvest. The title of our message is Endure in the process. Now, I know we just prayed with the governor, but I, I, I got ahead of myself, and I want to stop and pray for this message today. Bow your hearts with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for 
the word that leads us, for lamp unto our feet, for light unto our path. Thank you that, Holy Spirit, you dwell on the inside of us and that you teach us, you lead us into all truth. You, remember, you remind us of all those things that Jesus has spoken and said. We ask you today to be present, that you would be the teacher, that we would have hearts that would be surrendered and submitted to you. Lord, let the, the ground of our soul, our, the soil of our soul be plowed up and ready to receive the seed of the word of God so that we can walk as transformed, blood-bought, saved, sanctified, spirit-filled believers in the Mid-South and in the world. We'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory, and everybody said, amen. Seed time and harvest, Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. The scripture says, don't be misled. Now, obviously, by the statement, it implies the, the fact that you can be, we can be misled. Do not be misled. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always, everybody say always, you will always harvest what you plant. Everybody say what? Verse 8, those who live, so this passage is talking about the choices you make when you live your life, you and I, and our homes, our financial decisions, our relationship uh, practices, the characteristics and the way we treat people, um, how we respond, how we react, uh, the, the, the decisions that we make in terms of the people that we hang around, the friends, how we invest in the lives of those others around us. Uh, whether or not we endure it for a dream to see it completed, a business, a job, a career, an education, whatever, you fill in your blanks. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live, everybody say live, who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So it's basic, it's very simple. You will always reap what you sow. Don't put it up yet. Just I'm, I'm, I want to get there. So verse 9, here we go. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Don't get tired. Uh, I remember as a, a youngster growing up in a, in a mixed congregation, and there was a black gospel song that once in a while that someone would lead, and it says, I've been running for Jesus a long time, and the choir would go, I'm not tired yet. Most of you probably hadn't heard that one. That's all right. I've been running for Jesus a long time. Try it. I'm not tired yet. I love that. You know, it, it, all, it all has to do with who you're running for and what you're running for. And it says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. Everybody say the right time. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if, everybody say if, if we don't what? There it is again right there. Don't give up. There is a process that we must endure. We can't quit. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. All right, three principles that we're going to draw from this passage. We're going to exegete. It's kind of a $100 seminary theological term, which means to draw out of, okay, we don't want to be guilty of eisegesis. That's reading into a text. We want to exegete. We want to draw out of it. We want to let it say what it says, to whom it's saying it, and understand all of that stuff 
and then apply, get a principle for us today, okay? So the first principle is this. Kingdom principles of harvest are here in this passage, and there are three that I want to bring. Number one, you will always reap what you sow. Say it with me. You always reap what you sow. I want you to see the principle of dominion in this passage. Genesis chapter 1, God gives the order of the creation of things, two great lights in the heavens, the, the herbs in the, in the field, the trees with their fruit-bearing capacity, with the seed in them, everything producing after its kind. And there's a principle here that I want you to see, that you sow one seed, you don't reap a different crop. You will always reap what you sow. It, it's, it's DNA encoding. It is genetically written into the cosmos. God stamped every living thing with the ability to reproduce and multiply after its kind. Cats don't have dogs. Taters don't make maters. Okay, I'm getting really, really southern on you this morning. But you see the principle. Everything produces after its own kind. And when you close out that first chapter of the book of Genesis, it says, and the Lord God gave unto them every seed-bearing plant. And so I believe that's a principle of dominion, that in the, in the garden in which you are living right now, instead of cursing the ground because it's not producing what you want it to produce in your job, in your relationship, in your finances, in your personal health, in your own walk with God, spirit, soul, body, all of these various areas that are areas of concern in our lives. You know, I believe that in the, in the midst of that garden, there was technology, there were cell phones hanging in those trees. It just took several millennia beyond that to shake out of those trees the information, the, the, the invention, the experimentation... If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. What I'm telling you is the place that God has put you down into, and just let me remind you this morning that God didn't make Adam and Eve and say, okay, you guys hold on while I get this garden fixed for you. He made the entire garden and finished it and then set them down into an environment that had everything that they needed. Now, now, let's take that principle and let's extrapolate this into your own personal life. Whether you see it right now or not, you may see a field filled with nothing but rocks and problems, but I promise you the seeds for your success and your blessing are sitting all around you. You just don't look at them. You don't appreciate them. You haven't yet recognized them. You've got some trees you need to be shaking. You've got some fruit you need to be picking and testing and trying. You've got some ideas you need to take before God and say, God, give me, bless me, lead me, guide me. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together. Because the tool of dominion is that God has put something in your environment that you're living that if you will plant the seed, it will reproduce and bring blessing in your life. Now, folk, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about a relationship that flourishes where love is shared between husband and wife. I'm talking about a relationship between parents and children where there is respect and there is honor and there's actually admiration that goes both ways. 
I'm talking about raising champions because you're making an investment. You're sowing into your children for the next generation. I'm talking about dreams for a business that are sitting in this room that will not just make your bank account fat, but they will give you the ability to employ people who need a job and bless other families beyond yours and will give you the ability to advance the kingdom of God through your generosity. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? Look around. There's some seeds in there. Dr. Norman Vincent Peale said, every problem you have has within it the seeds to its own answer. The solutions are wrapped up in the problem. Just undo that thing. Unwrap it. Take it apart. Analyze that thing. You will always reap what you sow. Think about the power that is in a seed, folk, with me just, this, just for a moment this morning. There is nothing accidental. Every seed has a genetic identity. There is the ability to multiply that's encoded in that, and we've got to be intentional. Watch your words because your, your words are seeds. You want to raise children that are, that are well-rounded, that are emotionally stable. Don't be telling them all the time about how no count, low down, no good, ain't never going to amount to anything. That's ungodly. That's demonic language. Build them up. Strengthen them. Yes, correct them when they need correction, but do it in love so you don't exasperate them. Come on, somebody. You will always reap what you sow. I, I have a number of people in my life that are real encouragers. And you know what? They, it's, it's not a matter of they're having to force themselves to do it. They're just, that's just their heart. That's, that's just their nature. They're always sowing and investing in people. Always telling those folks, come on now, whatever you're praying for and trusting God, God's got this thing. You can do this. You can, you can overcome this problem. You can arrive at this dream that you have in your life. You can, you can make that advancement in your own personal walk. You can overcome that temptation. You can beat that sin. Somebody help me say amen this morning. When you've got somebody that will sow into you and invest in you and encourage you and challenge you to be better than you are, how blessed are we, folk? Nothing is accidental. Be intentional. Far too often we abide in a scarcity mentality which builds a need consciousness. But the kingdom of God in the scripture gives us a seed consciousness. No matter how much lack you're experiencing right now, there are some seeds that are sitting around in your life that you can begin to sow and make an investment in somebody else. Let me tell you something. When my finances get tight, I'll go clean out my closet and go bless somebody. And if nobody wants it, I'll at least take it down to the 8th Street Mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. So that they can put it on the shelf and hang it up. And somebody can get a pretty nice, a lot of times a designer whatever it is, and get it for 50 cents or a dollar, and somebody, and I'm going to tell you, I've been doing a whole lot of that lately, because I'm determined I'm going to let all my fat clothes hang around, because I don't want to be tempted to go, well, I, you know, I can always just spread out. I can, I can advance the kingdom into a larger stage. So I'm only keeping one size above what I am right now. So I, I gave away all my 50 pants and my 48s and my 46s and my 44s and my, 40, my 42s are still hanging up there. I hadn't given those away yet. But these are 38s, and they actually have a little bit of room in them. Hallelujah. I thought the kingdom of God was on the way when I started seeing three in, on my, my, my britches, as mama used to call them years ago. <laughs> Y'all all right out there? Develop a seed consciousness. Invest. Sow. Be generous. Give. 
There are all kinds of things. Well, you don't have anything. You can do something for somebody. You can invest in action. You can sow words of encouragement. You can bake a cake for somebody. You can cook a meal for somebody. You can offer to help somebody out who needs their house clean. Come on, folks. There are all kinds of things you can do to make some investments and sow some seeds. You will always reap what you sow because every seed has the genetic identity to reproduce after its kind. Invest in yourself, in the Spirit. Spend time in the Word and in prayer. I don't understand folk who claim to be followers of Jesus but then literally starve yourselves all week long and then come in here on Sunday morning and expect me to do for you what you ought to have been doing for yourself all week long. Oh, oh, you were doing fine until you started talking like that, Pastor. You know what? Maturity is you learn to grow up and feed yourself. My one-year-old grandson, Henry, is at the point now where he doesn't want Holly or Drew to hold the spoon. He takes the spoon himself because he's interested in getting that into his mouth as quick as he can. He's hungry. Hungry always. Appetite always is an indicator of health. And it's the same way in the spirit. Well, you know what? Maybe you're not hungry right now. Guess what? Everybody goes through seasons. I have. I have not just had. I have present tense, seasons like that, but I still make sure that I'm putting something in, in the spirit, spirit, soul, and body. Come on, somebody. Invest in the kingdom of God. Help somebody grow in their faith. Be a disciple maker. Don't just, don't just be a consumer. Let's be producers in the kingdom of God. Let's, let's be generous. You know what? I don't have a lot that I can give financially. Somebody might say, well, guess what? You can get on a serve team and help us because this congregation is growing again. I feel like I'm having to rebuild victory all over again. We're going to try to hold out until the first of the year after January the 1st and go back to two services at that point so that we can a little bit more successfully socially distance. I think this is probably the biggest crowd we've had. We may have to do it before then. We want to be safe. We've, we've intentionally kind of cut the length of the services down a little bit, which means I've had to whittle down how long I stood up here and talked to you. Some of you just about can't even believe that that's even happening. <laughs> Invest in your relationships, in your marriage, in your family, in your friends. Invest in your future. Why? Because choices have consequences. Say that with me. Choices have consequences. Point number two, you always reap in proportion to what you have sown. What does the scripture say? You will reap what you plant. Those who live a certain way are going to reap death and decay. Those who live by the Spirit will reap everlasting life. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Guess what? You just plant one seed, you're going to grow a plant that will reproduce multiplied exponentially. Not just one or two more seeds but it's going to give you a plant that will give you the ability to eat some of it and to reproduce and to be able to plant another crop. For years, I've stood up in the pulpit at different times, held up an acorn, and I said, what do you see? And somebody would say, an acorn. And I would go, okay, well, everybody in the room can see that. Come on, let's, let's think prophetically. Hold it up again. What do you see? Somebody says, a tree. And I go, okay, there's a minor prophet in the room. Somebody sees a tree. Okay, let's, let's see if we can see by the Spirit a little bit further than that. What do you see in this acorn? Not just one tree, but what? A whole forest. So the ability and the power of a seed is you will reap in proportion to what you've sown. Don't just sow one seed and expect an overwhelming harvest, but sow consistently. And that's the principle I want you to see 
in this whole passage here. You will always reap in proportion to what you've sown. This is the area that I'm growing in personally in my life right now. Because I've confessed to you that I've yo-yoed up and down in my weight, substantial amounts of weight, five times in my life, and I'm determined that this time is going to be the last time I'm going to see it going down, that I'm going to maintain, I'm going to learn, I'm going to develop right eating habits and, my, and get a proper emotional relationship to food so that I don't use it as a comfort mechanism, okay, and, and be able to have victory in this area of my life. And so I've, I've been very vulnerable. I've been transparent and told you. And I was praying and I, I've just been, I've been journaling. I've been seeking the Lord. I've been going, God, you know, I know how to lose this stuff. I can do it, baby. I can crank up my cardio. I can eat my protein. I can go keto. I can do whatever you want to do. And I can get out here and I can train and I can, I can build some muscle and I can do all this stuff. But then when I hit my goal, it's just, Okay, it's time to relax. Go a year, maybe put on 10 pounds. Next year, add another 20. Five years down the road, I'm back up 50 or 60 to where I was. It takes a little bit of time. And so this is what I prayed, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke this to my heart. He said, Michael, you have intensity. You need consistency. Intensity will get the rocket up off the launch pad. Because it's hard, folks. It's hard to start. Oh, well, I'll just go ahead and enjoy myself today. I'm, I'm going to start Monday. My goodness, how many dieters have always promised themselves they're going to start Monday morning. And then somebody comes by the office with a cheesecake, glory to God, and you have the second piece, and you go, oh, well, I'll, you know, I'll start tomorrow. Well, it's, the Monday's already passed. Well, I'll start next Monday. And we just keep procrastinating. Oh, I know none of y'all have ever done that. I'm just talking about myself. The Lord spoke to me and he said, Michael, you have intensity. You need consistency. Intensity, passion, will get you moving. It will motivate you. But you can't live life with a sprinter mentality. Because life is a marathon, folk. And you can, you can sprint with intensity for little short bursts. Intensity is there to give us breakthrough when we hit a plateau. But it's the day-to-day, day-in, day-out. Get up and get in the Word. Drink those, those, all those ounces of water every day. Get in a little bit of exercise every day. Eat clean. Yeah, enjoy your cheap meal once a week. I'm relating everything to my struggle this morning. Take this and apply it to your heart and your life. Intensity is beautiful, but you can't live like that all the time. You have to just be able to take small steps and to be consistent in your daily walk, in your walk with God, in your prayer life. You can have a crisis and pray two hours, but you can't do that every day. But because you can't do, pray two hours, don't think, well, I just don't have time to pray. How about you just learn to pray on the fly, on the run? How about you, on your way to work, how about you put in a little bit of worship music for ten minutes? and <laughs> Instead of getting angry on the way to work with with political talk radio and ready to just cuss somebody out. And, and you don't have a gun in your car, but if you did, somebody would probably be dead on I-240. <laughs> we choices have consequences. 
And so I, I load myself, I invest in my spirit and my soul and my body and I'm thinking positively and, I, and I'm believing in faith and I'm releasing words that will bring blessing to other people's lives. And you've got to take the first step. Intensity will get you off the couch. We, we fight this thing in physics that's called inertia. That is an object at rest tends to remain at rest. And isn't that the truth? Glory to God. Especially Saturday afternoon and football zone and the fire's in the fireplace. Mm, I just feel the spirit of nap coming on him. You know, don't quench the spirit now. But something, that's great. Enjoy the Saturday, but you can't live your whole life that way. Take the first step. Everybody like your neighbor say, take the first step. Be faithful in the little things. Jesus said, if you're faithful in the little things, then you'll be made ruler over much, over great things. Matter of fact, don't ever minimize the power of little tiny incremental steps. I was able to, to deal with my grief and the overwhelming sense of what am I going to do in this house because of just saving and hoarding. It wasn't like you see hoarded alive, but, but I mean, it was, there was a lot of stuff in the attic and the garage couldn't get a car into. And if that's you today, I'm not, I'm not throwing stones because I was there. And I just said, I got to clean out, I got to throw away, I got to give away, I got to, I got to go to the dump, I got to get stuff that I got out of here that I have never used, haven't used it in 25 years, not going to start right now. And I just, you know what got me moving? I'm, I got up one morning and I made my bed. And I looked at that and I said, oh wow, man, that looks great. And I began my day with that little bit of order. I had a win under my belt. And that one little bitty tiny, that little atomic level habit began to change my life and give me strength to say, I can overcome this mountain of mess that I've got to deal with. And when I conquered that, this is how the kingdom of God works. You plant a little seed and it will begin to eventually affect everything else around in your life. And so I started seeing order come and order began to come to my physical body as well. You know, you, you, can, you can want to run a marathon all you want to, but until you get your blessed assurance up off the couch and you make it one trip around the block, you're not going to ever run a marathon. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good. Listen to this. Exodus 23, 20 and Deuteronomy 7, 22 both say, little by little, everybody say little by little, little by little I will drive them out before you until you have increased and possessed the land. He's talking about the giants that were dwelling in the land that God had promised to the children of Israel. Little by little. You didn't get saved and God just fix everything in your life and zap it all at once. You, you, you have issues. Everybody in the room still has struggles. The difference in this church and a lot of others is that we actually admit it. Every, nobody's perfect in the room except Jesus. Come on, somebody. We have struggles. But listen to, listen to what little can do. Galatians 5, 9 says, A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Talking about sin. Proverbs 24, 33, a little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a folding of the hands to rest. The next verse is where you have to get, find, find out what happens. Oh, just a little longer. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit and scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Oh my gosh, I'm getting up out of the bed. <laughs> Not going to hit that snooze anymore. I, I want the blessing of God in my life. So I'm going to take some steps. I'm going to be consistent. Listen, those of you that are suffering right now, 1 Peter 5.10, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, 
and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. Say it with me. What is our one thing? Come on, say it like you mean it. Choices have consequences. Are you getting anything out of this? Point number three is real quick, and I'm done. Number three, you always reap after you've sown. You can't expect a harvest if you've never put a seed in the ground. You, you, you want to you bless marriage? You're going to have to invest in her. You're going to have to encourage him. You're going to have to serve. You're going to have to get this stupid idea of this thing is 50-50 out of your head because that doesn't exist. It's got to be 100-100. you got to be all in. And you will always reap after you've sown. And the crit critical point that I want you to see here is this is a timing issue. There are seasons. I enjoyed an overwhelming crop of Roma and grape tomatoes and either better boy or bigger boys. I don't remember which ones they were, but more than I could eat and gave away and blessed people with tomatoes. The staff up here, the, the girl who runs the Anytime Fitness, the manager there, just different people at different times just blessing them because I couldn't, everybody here, I think I brought two rounds to the, the, the staff when we have a staff meeting. I was overwhelmed with it because it's all coming out at once. Well, you know what? I planted the plants in April. It began to produce in July. And if you really think about this, I bought the plants at Lowe's. They'd come from a nursery, from a hothouse where the seeds had been planted probably in January. So in the cold of the winter, under the cover of protective plastic screening, plastic screening and covering, right amount of light, Seeds entered the ground, and in a few days it broke up, and there's a little tiny little shoot that continued to grow. And by the time I bought it at Lowe's, it was probably two months old at that point, or maybe even a little longer. And so I put it in the ground in April, and then in July, after the 4th of July, July and August, man, I was overwhelmed with all the crop that was coming in. The point is, is the timing issue. You can't rush anything that's worthwhile. Now, you can throw some miracle grow on stuff, folks, and it'll make it produce more, but it will never increase the speed at which that plant is going to mature. You'll burn up the roots if you throw it on too soon. Now, those of you that are gardeners know what I'm talking about. You can get in a hurry, and you can get your microwave faith on all you want to. You can destroy things that are good that take time. Everybody say, choices have consequences. Most, most things that are worthwhile can't be rushed. We in America, and this is my last idea, and I'm leaving this message, so I'm going to say the amen. We suffer in the 21st century from the plague of instant gratification. We don't want to endure. Yeah, you can have some instant grits, some instant oats, and they're, they're okay. But Lord knows I sure not like it when you take the time and do the old-fashioned rolled oats. And you get your water ready and boil it on the stove with a little bit of salt in it a little bit of milk, those things steep, begin to boil, put the lid on top, turn the burner off, let it sit there and just steep. You know, stuff that's, stuff that's worth something, stuff that is valuable, stuff that is nutritious, stuff that will bring blessing to you, it takes time. There are seasons. You sow in one season, you reap in the next season. So it's important that you discern what time your life is in. You know, what is the song that says, I want it all and I want it now? There's nothing wrong with us saying I want it all because I believe it's godly to want all that God has provided for us. Come on, somebody. But where we mess up is when we say, I want it now. 
Because some things take time. Pastor Haley's at home this morning with a couple of little ones that are dealing with fever and one of them has chicken pox. So please pray for Haley. Brendan came and played the bass and left. Haley said, don't you stay gone very long. I need you here in the middle of this madness. <laughs> so we love them. We know I've been there, been, been there, done that, been dealing with that in the past. I know what they're going through. And I just want to say to you this morning that no matter sometimes how you think how great it would be if you could just birth that baby in two years, they'd be full grown and gone on. No, 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 that's not how it works. You, you go through years of building into and mistakes that are made and scratched knees and trying to learn how to ride the bicycle and, and multiplication tables to be memorized that you're just about to pull your hair out because they can't get their nines. All these things that we do in helping our kids grow, learning how to manage anger when someone calls them a name, learning how to manage their time and their money when they're in senior high school, and how not to speed when they got their driver's license, and all these things that we go through, all these stages and phases of life, there are seasons and there are times, and then oh, what joy it is when you actually see them begin to make solid decisions and make godly choices because you have invested the time and the love into them to show them that all that matters. Choices have consequences. I hope you've been blessed by this series. I hope you've gotten something out of this message this morning. You always reap what you sow. You always reap in proportion to what you've sown. And you always reap after you've sown. And so this morning, I believe that some of us have some decisions to make. If we're going to invest in our spirit, our soul, our body, we want to read through the Bible, take the first step. Start. Start somewhere. You know, Stop saying, I, I, using an excuse and say, I don't have time to sit down because it's just such a, an elephant, a volume. It's just massive. Just take a chapter a day. Just start and just say, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me, teach me. You want to become a person of prayer? Don't, don't use the excuse that you don't have time to pray two hours. How about you just pray two minutes? And just begin to take your request before the Lord and say, Father, show me how. Show me, teach me how to begin to pray and to not just throw up my want list, but to learn how to listen for the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit in my life. You got something you're trying to overcome? Get up off the couch and take the first step. In Jesus' name. Bow your hearts with me, please, for a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love for us, for salvation that is not earned or deserved, but it's a free gift. Lord, I believe there's someone today that needs to take that step of faith, to cross that line of faith and say, Jesus, change me, come into my heart, save me. Maybe there's some in the room this morning that need to take the step of investing in your mate, in your marriage, in your family, in your finances, in your job, in your career, in your business, and to endure the process of where you are right now, to not hate it, to be consistent in the little things, any of those things speak to anyone in this room, if you'd like prayer, would you just slip your hand up, please? I want to pray for you today in this room. Anyone? Yes, yes, I see several hands. Let's pray together. Congregation, let's all pray along with those who lifted their hands. Say these words out loud. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. I receive it today. Thank you for Jesus.
I lean into Him. I turn from my past. I turn to you in faith. Jesus, save me. I trust you. Teach me, Lord, how to endure the process, how to look to you in faith, to not quit. I'll give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Michael, for that wonderful message.